Hey guys, welcome back to the Catch Up Time podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa McDonald, and if you're new here, welcome, welcome. If you listened before, I'm so glad you found your way back here today. My hope is that you find this conversation uplifting and that it puts a pep in your step as you go about your day. On this show, we'll shine the spotlight on real people just like you and me. You'll get to listen in on real conversations amongst friends as we explore an array of topics and take the discussion in any direction we choose. Along the way, we'll uncover truths and life lessons that we can all relate to and apply in our own lives. Knowing that we're not alone is incredibly powerful, and hearing how others have pivoted and adapted is inspirational. Join me each week as we discover new possibilities to grow, to be better, to be more productive, and to live happier, more fulfilling lives. Check out my Instagram and follow me at ketchup underscore time, like the condiment and the herb. (laughs) And be sure to hit subscribe to the Ketchup Time podcast, where you'll find some brightness and positivity to light up your day. All right, let's get started. On today's show, we're hanging out with Kurt Steinfeld, who was my Disney counterpart during my short stint at Disney Springs. It's kind of crazy, and I have to keep reminding myself that I only had known him for four months prior to the pandemic shutting us down, but we instantly connected. Aren't there some people in your life that you just instantly connect with? In some ways, he was my coach and my mentor. He always had great advice, and he always made sure that I had my head on straight when things got frustrating. I'm truly thankful that our short-lived work relationship has turned into a great personal friendship. We kept in touch over the topsy-turvy year, and if nothing else, I can honestly say that our relationship was one of the most important connections I made during my time at Disney Springs. Coming up on the show, we're going to take a deep dive into the world of credit cards and how to responsibly use them to earn all kinds of rewards, things like free airfare, free hotel stays, and unique and memorable travel experiences. Kurt explains how to get something in return for all those obligatory things that you have to buy just to be a responsible adult, you know, like groceries and gas. He shares some of the incredible experiences he's been able to have, and once you hear how he's managed to take advantage of all of the credit cards and all that they have to offer, you'll never go back to using your debit card ever again. Making the most of his early retirement, you can now find Kurt creating delicious craft cocktails on his Sunnyside pool deck, recording them for his TikTok account. Check him out at Bolivia Nope, which is B-O-L-I-V-I-A-N-O-P-E, And uh, when asked what's with the name, he actually said (laughs) that he's not entirely sure of the story and that the joke is so inside that even those on the inside can't actually remember. (laughs) I swear, this guy is the best storyteller, and I think you'll get something useful out of our talk today. So with all that said, let's get on with it. Here's Kurt Steinfeld on the Ketchup Time podcast. Please enjoy. Kurt, I'm so excited to have you on the Catch Up Time podcast. This is my absolute pleasure. I was literally last night uh, thinking of all the things I want to talk to you about and writing down some ideas and questions. And I'm really excited to see where this conversation goes. Um, I think that you have a wealth of knowledge that you can share with my audience. And in many ways, like you've been a mentor to me and I appreciate all of your guidance and advice. And I'm so thankful for our meeting this last year because if anything, that job gave me was a connection to you. And uh, for that, I'm just really thankful. So with that being said, welcome, welcome. I am honored to be here. I really think this is going to be fun. I think so too. So as backgrounds, you and I worked together at Disney Springs. Um, you kind of explain your role. You worked for the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was with, I was with Disney for just under 15 years mm-hmm. and uh, spent the last two years of my career at Disney Um, as the sales strategy manager for the Disney Springs complex. Mm -hmm. So that's where you and I met each other. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Disney is such an enormous company and everything's so regimented and and you need to color inside the lines wherever you are and whatever you do. And and this was a job where I was I was effectively hired to come in and figure it out. Um, The job didn't exist before I got there. And uh, I sat down with, with my boss on the, the first day and she said, look, we're, we're going to figure this out as we go. Um, 
what I want you to do is come in every day, figure out how it is that we can help the complex make more money mm -hmm. and be more successful both in the short and the long term. And uh, as long as it's a good idea, we'll just start doing that. Um, so um, what you and I had the, the opportunity to do together was, was sort of an offshoot of um, come in, look around, figure out ways that we can make a good thing even better. And, and that's what we did. When I got there, um, you know, one of the most important things that I needed to remember was don't mess up what's already working. You know, they, they elected to spend money on a role that they really didn't need to have. And in the economy that we were in, it made perfect sense. You know, if we can, if we can increase sales by this number or that number, then whatever we're paying that guy over there is, is chump change yeah. or tip yeah. money. Um, and in a great economy, it worked perfectly, and it and we did exactly what what Disney hoped that they were going to be able to accomplish. Um, you know, when things went south, all of a sudden it's one of those jobs that I try not to take it personally, but it's it's not a requirement. We don't. It's not a custodial job, and it's not a how do we make sure things are open and people can get on a ride line and things like that. So, um, in the economy that we're in, it's just one of those luxuries that Disney can't afford to have. And you know, who knows what will happen in the future? Yeah, well, and that's the case. It's just who knows what will happen in the future. When 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 this all started happening, March 16th, I remember the day, and it was like we we heard at first that it was Disney Springs in California that had closed. And it was like, oh gosh, well, here we go, we're next. And we started getting in the emails and yeah. saying that all of our clients were canceling their events coming up. And, you know, at first it was like, we were in that force majeure situation, but not really. And we didn't really know how to navigate that. Can you explain what force majeure is? Cause I talked about this in a different episode and I don't think we kind of really dived into this. So what is force majeure? Force majeure means act of God. So if you sign a contract, if I signed a contract with one of your restaurants to hold an event, and something happened, terrorism, a flood, a hurricane, um, hurricanes are usually where force majeure comes into play in Florida, um, then you're not held to the terms of your contract. And, and effectively, at least at Disney, um, for my entire time at Disney, um, you know, if a hurricane came through, although technically you could travel and get here and hold your meeting or event, we weren't going to hold you to the terms of your contract. Um, although um, force majeure was not in place because you could safely get where you needed to go in order to have it. You know, there were there was rebuilding that needed to happen and there were things in Florida that need to be taken care of and it wasn't going to be an ideal experience. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just let you reschedule for the future? Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, you know, we, we literally had venues maybe not specifically at disney springs but in orlando we had venues that needed tomorrow's deposits to pay today's bills mm. um you know whether whether that's because they were doing business the right or wrong way or you know good or bad financial managers they needed tomorrow's money to pay today's bills and and therefore they were in a position where they they literally could not give back the deposits um, I think everybody knew what the right thing to do was um, from a moral standpoint, but from a legal standpoint, they had every right to hold on to that money. And you know, for the first month or so, I think a lot of people did that. These are the terms of your contract that you signed that therefore we're going to hold you to them. Um, I think over time that, that most entities got more flexible, yeah. um, but um, that was, that was quite the steep learning curve. And, and those, first couple of months where every single phone call was, I need to cancel this, I need to cancel that. As a salesperson, it's a little bit, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts kind of soul crushing. Yeah, it really was. And it was one after another. And I think all of us, you know, as a collective team there at Disney Springs with all of the different venues and all the different sales managers, we were all trying to navigate very un unclear circumstances and an uncertain path. Like nobody could have ever imagined that this would have lasted. We're almost at a year. Can you even believe that? It doesn't make any sense. Well, they, it's crazy. <clears throat> you said, uh, you know, you said the middle of March, and I remember that day as well. And we thought, well, okay, we'll all be back by, uh, you know, my glass is half empty. We'll say May first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, we we had a little pool on our team as to, um, you know, what's the date? What's your what's your go back to work date? And uh, the first time we did it, and I said July first, and everyone, oh, you're such a pessimist. You're crazy. Yeah. 
And even I thought, well, I'm just, I'm hedging my bet. And here we are, what, February of the following year. And no one could have ever yeah, imagined. It is just remarkable what, what the hospitality industry has been through as a whole. Yeah, hospitality, tourism, travel. I mean, so many industries have been so drastically affected and, and just really have had to make such, um, you know, really hard decisions as businesses and it's just it's a, it was a very it was hard times to navigate and it still is i mean it, it's still very unclear and i think still the the i think florida is probably like the most or one of the most loosey-goosey states as far as large gatherings when you think of new york and california being the most like tight right. tight on restrictions florida's like yeah we're good we're good indoor events all day 500 people all right let's do yep. it I'm kidding. I think actually we're up to 300 is the last time I checked. It was 300 was the, the allowed amount, but still 300. It's like, you know, when we would do events for 1500 between three different restaurants, it, it just sounds like peanuts. It does. It does sound like a small number until you realize what 300 entails right now. And you're just left scratching your head going, ah, not entirely sure how this makes great sense today, but yeah. that's, those are those are decisions for smarter people than me. Yes, I don't envy people who are working and trying to figure it out because it is a very challenging, uh, very challenging times to, to navigate. So, but for you, you especially, I mean, you were eventually, you were furloughed and then eventually, unfortunately let go, right? From the company. Yeah. Um, I was furloughed in April and, uh, and then Disney made the decision to to let go. I, I think the number was was just south of thirty thousand cast members uh, in late September. And then my last day at Disney was uh, officially in December. That's tough. That's tough. Um, before that, you were at Hello Florida as mm -hmm. a what? What were your roles there? I was the director of resort sales for Hello Florida, and uh, actually Mears Transportation, the big bus company in town, owned. Hello, Florida. At that point, um, so I was—I had a, a business card for both of them and served in that capacity for for both companies. Man, it's crazy just to think back to those times. It was like you know, events were just like gravy. It was all coming in. You didn't have to really go out and and you know solicit any business, right? It was all it's, just coming. It's when you know you work you work for companies like Mears, where you're the big bus company in town. And Hello, Florida. At that point, was the the dominant destination management company in town. And and then you go to Disney and you work there. And um, you know, I I I do have to laugh because periodically my wife will look at me and say, "Was that really selling? I mean, is that was any part of your job really selling, or did you just have to wait for the phone to ring?" And you know, the truth's in the middle somewhere, but. Uh, it is remarkable how good things were for so long and how how we all managed to take it for granted after a while that, that tomorrow was just going to be better because, well, we're us. Right, right. And I think Disney, not for nothing, has done a marvelous job of reopening their parks. Um, I've gone a few times back in like October, November, and... I was, I felt safer there than at the grocery store. Yep. How does that make sense? It, you know what, it's remarkable. I, I, I've been in the parks once during the, the pandemic and, and I had heard that said, so I was looking out for it the whole day. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, if you are, they are enforcing mask wearing, they are enforcing social distancing and it, you know, it doesn't feel like what Disney was. But if your options are give you what you had before and put everybody at risk or do this and we can stay open and allow at least some people to come in and, and get a break from the day to day, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's just it is remarkable when you walk into various establishments. I saw the news clip of the uh, of the, the grocery store down in Naples where you know they're they're encouraging people not to wear masks and everybody just looks like it's the video is, is from two years ago and everything is okay. totally normal um, versus Disney's going to make sure that, that no, you can't wear that kind of mask and you need to do this and that in order to keep not only yourself, but everybody around you safe. Yeah. I mean, God forbid somebody did get sick there, you know, the national news that it would, you know, it would just take over the, the news cycle and 
of course they want to mitigate that but also keep everyone safe at at, at this point in time you know i i was watching a custodian at the park literally not only wipe off the table but also the chair the backs of the chair the seat it's incredible and it's really it just puts your mind at ease like if you can't you know they call it the happiest place on earth right like if 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 you go into with that mentality like wanting that experience and and having a break from the day to day and just you know it's not quite what it was but it can be it's pretty damn close you know all things considered you know you think about where we thought we might be when we realized how serious this was going to be and to know that theme parks are open and you know not just disney but universal like sea world i i don't know if i'm aware of a story where community spread of the virus happened from a theme park and you look at the theme parks you look at sports watching the super bowl the other day and and realizing that when they said they were going to play the season i for one said that's never going to work they're never going to get through the season and there were bumps along the way but boy the amount of enjoyment that the average person got out of being able to flip on a, a game and have something to divert their attention and make them happy or, or sad depending on the results of the game uh, then you know that that's that's pretty remarkable and it's i think it's a testament to uh to humanity that um you know things haven't been perfect but there were some people that were willing to try some things and made the best of it and and exceeded expectations yeah most certainly it's all it's been a year of adapting and you know pivoting and and just trying to do the best we can i think that's what everyone's been really like aiming to do and it, it's been a, it's been a tough year for you yourself you're you've taken this as an opportunity to um well maybe an early retirement but <laughs> you've been fortunate <laughs> enough to uh really dive into your hobbies and i want to talk more about that um when before we got on the call i i didn't want to I don't want it to be as an insult, but I'm not sure the right term to use. So it's not credit card schemes, because scheming seems like a, a, a negative connotation. <laughs> but what is it that we call this? It's points and miles. Collecting points and miles is probably the, the most innocuous way to say it. Um, what it really boils down to is how do you leverage what credit card companies are willing to offer you in terms of incentives to pick them in an effort to allow you to do things that you might not otherwise be able to do. So before, you know, we, I mean, years ago, we, we were always just using a debit card. And my dad works for American Express and has for 40 years. He just hit 40 years in December. And he's always been harping on us to use, you know, American Express card. But, you know, it didn't have good points and, and it didn't give us value. So we're like, what, you know, and it had like a high um, membership rate or high membership uh, fee. Yep. Yep. So in our mind, it was like, I'm not paying right. for a card to use. I'd rather just use my debit card and be done with it. So there obviously are many yep. people who still do that and have that same mindset. What would you say to people to start changing your mindset and using a credit card as opposed to a debit card? Well, use, let's use your American Express example. American Express mm -hmm. has a platinum card and the annual fee on that platinum card is $550 a year. So for a lot of families, I, that's a that's a conversation stopper right there. But if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you could at least continue the conversation, you say, okay, you want me to pay $550 for your credit card. What am I gonna get for my money? And then unless it's going to be something significantly greater than that number, it really doesn't make any sense to hand somebody else your hard-earned cash in that case, that particular American Express card right now, if you were to apply for it and you spend $5,000 in the first three months, you'd get 100,000 points. Well, those 100,000 points are worth at minimum $1,000. They could be worth significantly more depending on how you use them, but that's the absolute least that you can get. So in three months of doing just spending I was gonna do anyways, I've doubled my money. In addition, that card for the next six months would give you 10% back on gas and groceries up to your first $15,000. Now, I'm not going to spend $15,000 on gas and groceries in the next six months. Well, let's say I spend $5,000. Well, I just made another $500 back. And that just covered the, the annual fee. 
that just covered the annual fee plus the thousand dollars worth of points that they gave me they're going to give me two hundred dollars in airline incidental fees which you know today that probably doesn't mean anything but hopefully by <clears throat> july august september october we're able to start traveling again and all of a sudden it's nice to know that you can you can pay for your baggage fee or you can pay for a seat upgrade with somebody else's money they give you 250 dollars in uber credits annually and that counts for uber eats so for those of us that have learned how to order food to have it delivered to our house and it's become <laughs> a staple of our diet um you know there's 250 dollars in what amounts to free money um they give you 100 dollars at Saks fifth avenue 50 dollars each half of the year to spend on whatever you want now 50 dollars at Saks isn't going to go quite as far as 50 dollars at tj maxx but again it's something that they're going to give you they give yeah. you um global entry and tsa membership um airport lounge access they give you um upgraded status for a bunch of hotel and, and rental car companies that's all on one credit card so there is absolutely value in trying to figure out whether you're going to get your money back or if this is worth the effort. But if I can spend $500 and at the end, I'm going to make a minimum of double that for an hour's worth of work. I don't know about you, but I've never had a job where I was making, I was bringing home 500 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and in this case, if you play it the right way, you potentially have the opportunity to turn that $550 into Five thousand plus all the other perks. It sounds like you can get oh, airline absolutely. lounges. Yeah, like there are. I mean, e each of those individually would be awesome, but collectively, it, it makes sense. How? Why do people then? Are, why are people not interested in it? What do they, Is it just simply the fact that it costs five hundred dollars up front, and you're like, nah, not for me. I'm not. I'm like, I turn off my brain. I don't want to hear it. I think. I think that's part of it. You know, your your personality plays a large part in this. I've, I've talked to countless friends about this hobby and some are really enthusiastic about it, but most people, they listen and they just fade quickly. I don't want to go to the effort. I am, I'm terribly risk averse. I don't understand it. It sounds too good to be true. And if it's too good to be true, then it can't be true. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's people that, um, you know, I have a, a, a niece who, one of the neatest people in the world, um, but she's conservative and she's got a, a great full-time job. She's out of college now. She works for Converse. She started to ask questions about this because she saw all the, the cool traveling that, that, uh, that my family was doing. And she said, you know, how do I get into that? And as soon as we started talking about it, she immediately wanted to know, um, I heard that, that when you apply for a credit card, your, your credit score goes down. You're absolutely right. Your credit score does go down. But your credit score actually is a, a combination of, of four or five different things. Okay. And your application, that's just one of them. You know, another one is how much credit do you have access to? And are you using it? So if you applied for that American Express card that we were just talking about, your credit score could go down by five or 10 points. But then when American Express says you can have their card, as long as you give them $550, uh, and they give you a $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 credit line, and you don't use it on a regular basis, you know, you're not running up credit card debt. Well, now a creditor looks at you and says, well, they have access to money that they're not using. So clearly that means that they are not as much of a credit risk as someone who is. Hmm. Um, so your credit score, you know, I've over the course of the, the 15 plus years that I've done this, uh, I'm embarrassed. I won't tell you how many cards I've actually applied for in that time frame, but you know, my credit score is well over 800 and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm that guy in some cases in this game. I'm almost the guy who hit the end of the internet that because I've done all of these other things, I can't go back and do some of them all over again. You've run and, out of options. <laughs> yeah. So um, to know that I've applied for a significant number of cards year after year after year, and my credit score is, is still fantastic. I mean, there's, there's anecdotal evidence that 
Um, you can apply for a credit card or two or three or four, and it's not going to hurt you. You'll see your score go down a little bit, but then you're going to see your score go up by more. So is it something you do one at a time or you, you uh, apply for multiple and see what happens? It, it depends on your level of, of risk tolerance. Yeah, for, for anybody that's listening to this that wants to get, get started in it, um, I think you said that we have the ability to link some um, some articles. Yeah. So yes. we'll make sure that, that everybody has uh, kind of a beginner's guide that, mm -hmm. that's out there on the internet that, uh, that kind of walks you through in layman's language every aspect of, of this game. Um, but if it were me, I would sit down and I would figure out what's what's most important to you. You know, do you want to earn airline miles? You know, I just I've got a, a son who's in grad school, and he's gonna he's moving to Austin, Texas, in June for his, his first real job. Um, you know, and that's further away than Gainesville, so we're trying to figure out how it is that that we can see him as, as often as possible. My wife and I right now, we both applied for JetBlue cards uh, two weeks ago and we were both approved for them. And once we hit the minimum spend on each of them, we'll each earn a hundred thousand points each, which translates to 10, 11, 12, depending on the time of the year that we go round trip flights between Orlando and Austin. That is significant. That is it, a lot of trips. It's, you know what, I don't know that we'll use all those points for that, but when you layer in the fact that I also asked my son to apply and he was approved, there's another five or six trips. And what that means is that he has the luxury of flying home for his mom's birthday, even though he's only here for 36 hours. Yeah, which otherwise wouldn't be. Yeah, we can we can hop over there and spend a, a two or three day weekend and have a wonderful time and not worry about the fact that we just spent 200, 300, $400. And is that a good use of, of our, our available funds? Yeah, and that's just it. I feel like when I think of points, I always think of like blackout dates and that you can't use it. So, you know, they're so like strict on like when you actually can use it and when it is available to use, you have to use it at unfavorable times of day. Like you just don't necessarily have the best options. And is that not the case? Like, oh, it's, and it, it varies from program to program, mm -hmm. but for the most part, you can use points anytime that there's availability at this point. So using JetBlue as an example, their points are worth about one and a half cents per point, just on average. Um, well, that means that if I flew, if I fly to Austin on a Tuesday, um, well, that, that plane ticket's not gonna be very expensive because that's right. a low travel day. Right. On the other hand, if I wanted him to fly to Orlando on Christmas Eve, that ticket's gonna cost a lot more money. It's gonna cost a bunch more points. Um, so having the, having some degree of flexibility about when you travel is is always a good idea, but there are programs like Hyatt's program, for example, a a premium room in a world class hotel, maybe thirty or forty thousand points depending on the resort. Well, that's the same whether it's a high travel day or a low travel day. Mm. Hilton, on the other hand, is going to charge you the number of points that that mirrors the the dollar value of the room so right, right. if i want to stay in new york city for new year's eve and i don't but if i did <laughs> and, watch the, and watch the ball drop i could stay at the park hyatt and that would be thirty thousand points and the park hyatt is an amazing hotel or i could stay at a hampton inn which is owned by hilton and it would probably cost me one hundred and twenty thousand points because at that point, any room inside Manhattan is going for a premium because you have all these people that want to be in that space at that time. So there's there's games to play inside the game to figure out how to maximize what you have. But for, for, a, for a beginner, you just want to make it simple. Do I want airline miles? Do I want hotel miles? Do I want miles that that are convertible? Um, you know, the, the banks like American Express and Chase, they offer, American Express, they offer membership rewards points. Well, you can use those to book travel on their travel website and they convert to a, a fixed amount of value per point. 
or I can send my points to an airline or I can send my points to a hotel. So you don't have to necessarily and make the decision right now. You can at a later time and date choose how you want to ab- use them. Absolutely. I, my, um, my son, the, the card that, that I recommend as a first card for just about everybody is made by Chase. It's called the Chase Sapphire card. And it's a, it's got a $95 annual fee. The fee's not waived the first year, and a lot of card companies will waive the fee the first year as an, an inducement to, to get their card. Yeah. This one, you have to pay the $95, but if you spend $4,000 in the first six months, you get 60,000 points. Those 60,000 points, at minimum, translate to 800, maybe a little bit more, in travel funds. So if you use their website, which is powered by Expedia, then you can book hotels, airline tickets, activities, tours, experiences, stuff like that. Everything you could book on a regular Expedia. So you've got $800 worth of value from your $95. Uh, but then there's a whole bunch of other perks that come along with that. Mm-hmm. Or you can, trans- you, can, you can transfer those points to an airline or to a hotel. Those, those 60,000 points, if you translate, if you transfer those to Hyatt, the Park Hyatt that I was just referencing is a, I think a $30,000 or 30,000 point per night hotel. But I don't believe the cash rates are ever less than a thousand dollars a night before taxes. Right. So theoretically your 60,000 points just translated to 2,000, 2,500, even $3,000 worth of value. Now in fairness, right. I don't know about your family, but in mine, we're not going to spend a thousand dollars on a hotel room. Mm-mm, never so ever. It's a fun story to tell, but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily always fair to say I saved that money because you were never going to spend it in the first place. That's a good point. That's a really good point. It's funny when I worked at Marriott, we used to say to the hotel the, the room costs the same. The housekeeper cleans the room to pay the bills, you know, doesn't matter what day of the week, day of the year, it doesn't matter. It's, it costs the exact same for them to have that room open and available. However, what does change is the occupancy and based on like the demand for that room, that's why the room rate changes so often and why it's mm-hmm. not available on certain days with the employee rate or with, you know, miles and using points. Do you really have to read the fine print and dive really deep into the rules of it? If you want to play the game professionally, mm-hmm. it takes some effort. It definitely takes some effort. But if yeah. you wanted to be a, you know, if you wanted the average person who's listening to this right now, is not going to get to the point where they're quite as a, as obsessive compulsive about it as I am, <laughs> but they could still squeeze a ton of value out of it. And for some people, the the hook catches. You know, if you if you apply for a card, you get that Chase card, and you get your sixty thousand points, and that turns into an experience that you go, "Wow, that was cool." And in reality, that cost me an hour's worth of time and ninety five dollars. I'd like to do that again. Okay, well, after you hit that minimum spend, maybe you take that chase card, you throw it in the sock drawer, and then you apply for another card. And then after you're done with the minimum spend, you apply for another card. You know, if you if you stuck with that original chase card, you spend your $4,000 and you get your bonus. And I get 60,000 points when I spent $4,000. So I should have gotten 4,000 points, maybe a little bit more. And instead, I got sixty-four thousand. That's great. But now, when I spend the next four thousand, I'm just going to get four thousand. On the other hand, if I spent that four thousand on one or two other credit cards, well, now I'm going to get fifty thousand points from Hyatt, or I'm going to get a hundred thousand points from JetBlue. You know, the the JetBlue card that I referenced earlier, the, their bonus was you spend a thousand dollars in three months, and you get fifty thousand points. You spend $6,000 in a year and you get another 50,000 points. So, so it just continuously, you, like they want you to continue to spend money and the, then the bonuses just keep racking up. Whereas some yeah. of these cards no, don't necessarily do that. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, do, I think it's critically important that, that, that we say out loud, if you don't pay your credit cards off on a regular basis, none of this matters. You should yep. not be doing this. This is not a game you want to play. If you are paying interest charges on your credit cards and you can't 
if you get a new card, you can't look at that credit line as available money to spend. Mm -hmm. You have to pay off your cards. And I, I mean, I pay off all of my credit card spending. I treat them like they're debit cards and I will go in and I will pay off my, my credit card multiple times a month so that at no point do I look at my, my statement balance and go, whoa, whoa, that caught up on me quickly. That's so, a great point. That caveat, just you have to be responsible with it. If you're going to play the game, you got to be responsible and you can't carry over a balance because that's where that's where the credit card companies want you to, to fail, right? They, that like They're charging you 15 or 20% interest and all of mm -hmm. those benefits that you have disappear very quickly when you're paying the house that much extra money. Well, I think that's probably why many people are hesitant, right? To like even start because maybe they can't afford to pay it off in a certain amount of time. However, when you think of the flip side and you're using a debit card or, you know, cash or check to pay bills that you were going to pay anyway, like you might as well get something in return, right? Mm -hmm. It makes, it makes. There is, there is no question that, that if you have credit card debt today, that's going to impact your, your willingness to get into this. On the flip side, you're going to spend money tomorrow. You know, life costs money. And for some families, the idea of spending $4,000 in three months is, is crazy. And for others, it's, it's manageable. And there are cards with lower minimums. There's a bunch of cards where if you spend $500, you'll get $200 back in cash. Okay, well, where else are you going to be able to spend $500 on day-to-day -day stuff to get 40% of it back? Yeah. For just doing what you were going to do anyways so you can also divide this in half and say if i can apply for a new card and not run up incremental debt on it then you can still play if on the other hand you know that when you see that you have an available credit line you think of it as money to spend this is this is a very slippery slope and something you want nothing to do with um, but for the most part, we all have to spend money just to live. Um, you know, and there are crazy creative ways. Some of the loopholes that have existed in the past, you used to be able to pay your mortgage, your rent on a credit card. They had to jump through some hoops to do it, but you were generating points and miles. I, I was in Arizona with my son, golly, 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, and <clears throat> at that point, we, I said, we're going on a road trip and we drove four hours round trip to go to one specific city in Arizona to pick up a debit card that they only sold in three targets in the United States. <laughs> but that card, you know, spending $5 on that card in four hours of our time um, on that card enabled us to buy prepaid debit cards in an office supply store use the money on the prepaid debit card to pay the credit card bill and earn points on the transaction. So you could earn 60, 150. Some people were doing a half a million points a month just by buying what was effectively buying and selling money. Oh, wow. They've closed a lot of the really crazy loopholes over the years as they figured out, you know, Alaska Airlines had a great credit card where for a long time, you could apply for the card. You could get a thirty or forty thousand point bonus for achieving the the minimum spend. As soon as you got your bonus, you close your card. You wait a month. You apply for the same card all over again. Oh, and wow. they would let you do that over and over and over again until they finally figured out that's a really, really terrible business model, <laughs> and and they closed the loophole. I tell you, if there's uh, a will, those, there's a way. People will find a way. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and I say that they've closed the loopholes, but I've got, you know, I've got a, a, a friend that I used to work with at Disney Springs, and, and she and I started talking about this this game, and, and she and her boyfriend wanted to get involved, and we stumbled across a premium card in Hilton that, that I paid, whoa, I paid $450 for, and there happened to be a link out there where you could get that card for free. And it came with kind of those uh, American Express Platinum kind of benefits um, where the, the value you were getting from it was truly outsized compared to the amount of money you were paying for it. And they didn't even pay for it. And they were sending me text messages from their their fancy overlooking the, the, the ocean suite in Mexico going, this is all free. 
This is all because we happen to sign up for one credit card and we are, we don't think we will ever in our lives be able to do this again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now they're addicted. Well, and that's just it. You do it once and you have that experience and you're just like, oh my God, how did I not do this before? How I have to do it more. And you just, you know, it like, you know, until the ball starts rolling. I have an uncle who was in this same game. He <laughs> took his family for his daughter's graduation to Hawaii for a seven day, all expense paid trip. It was like, you know, airfare paid for, the hotel paid for, they rented a car. Basically all they paid for when they were there was food and drinks. And that was it. And they probably got points for those food and drinks because he had a card to put them <laughs> on. Because <laughs> they were using the credit cards. Exactly. We. Um, it's crazy. My my wife and I, uh, we we both turned 50 a couple of years ago and neither of us had ever been to Europe. Um, so we said, all right, this is going to be our, our destination trip. And we used points mm -hmm. and miles and we flew in the front of the airplane and we stayed in amazing hotels everywhere we went. And then a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, um, she did a similar trip just a couple of weeks after. And she and I talked about this, this credit card thing over and over and over again. And she dabbled in it a little bit and did it here and there, but never really got serious about it. We're good enough friends that after our trips, we talked about the money and how much we both spent. And, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm obviously not gonna talk about anybody else's finances here, but, to say that that our dollars went 10 times further than than their dollars for a largely similar experience mm -hmm, and i mm -hmm. you know and i say similar that you know they're they they were in naples or i'm sorry they were in venice and they stayed in an uh, airbnb right in the heart of venice which for a lot of people is is just an amazing experience and we stayed at a marriott out on a private island that we had to have a boat to get back and forth to get to Venice. Both of them were cool experiences and they were similar, but they weren't the same. But at the end of that, the end of that trip, we, we sat down and figured out how much was invested. And I, and I will say that the amount that, that they paid for their trip was a number that I'm not comfortable with. When my son graduated from, from high school, I said, all right, you know, we're, we're deep into this game. Why don't you, you decide where you want to go, what you want to do for graduation, and we'll, we'll see if I can't make it happen. And he said, I want to go play golf at, at Pebble Beach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I swallowed really hard and said, well, they don't take points there. I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and we spent more on that trip to go play golf for a couple of days at Pebble Beach than my wife and I spent on two weeks of of bouncing around Italy. Good God. I mean, it really is incredible. The experiences that you've gotten out of this and, you know, the the fact is that you were able, I'm sure you didn't pay for a hotel when you were in Pebble Beach. You might've only had to pay, right? For like the actual golf. We, we <laughs> had we had to stay at the resort in order to play golf. So the combination of paying for the hotel and paying for the golf are, are two things that were very, very foreign to me, but uh, Memories that'll last a lifetime too. So well, I guess you have to pay for something every once in a while. Is the moral of that story? <laughs> I remind my son periodically that that defines how much I love him. So he's not allowed to complain about anything. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> well, it's a really interesting game you're playing, and it sounds like you've had a lot of success. Is it something that um, once you you said that you get you you get the bonus, you you know pay off the card, and then you put that card away? I've always thought that if you cancel a card, it hurts your credit. Is that true? That is true. So one of the other things that you'll want to be aware of is there are some cards that you're you're probably going to want to keep for a long time. You're one of the five things that go into your credit score is the the length of your relationships with your creditors. You know, they 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 want to see some continuity and some stability. So somebody like me that applies for all of these new accounts and then opens and closes them, um, that shows a lack of stability. Now, clearly because I'm paying off all my bills and because I have credit access that I'm not using, I, I, my, my score is still high. Mm -hmm. But there are, you know, you, if you have a Discover card in your pocket right now that, that doesn't have an annual fee, throw it in the sock drawer. Never use it for anything. But don't close it. But leave it open for as long as possible. Maybe charge one thing on it a year so it stays active and they don't proactively cancel it on you at some point. But that helps your average. 
you know, the other thing that's, that's interesting about this is you can add if you've got kids. You know, I've had an American, one kind of American Express card or another in my wallet since I was in college. Well, my relationship with American Express then goes back 30 plus years. When I added my son as an authorized user to one of my cards, he then became someone else that had 30 years of, of relationship with American Express. He's 22 years old and he has a 30 year history on his credit report. So that niece that I was referring to earlier, her credit score is X and then my son's is X plus 30 or 40 because he's applied for some cards on his own and because he's got some credit history. And you know, those are things that appear risky, but in reality, buying everything on your debit card and paying cash and knowing that, that you know, writing a check for everything is not helping your, your credit score yeah. at all. And that's just it. I mean, I have a friend who doesn't, who doesn't, didn't have a credit card. I don't even know if she's still, if she has one, but for the longest time, you know, she didn't have a credit card and she was just simply doing that. And when we started talking about this and like how it can benefit, you know, not only with all the perks that you're speaking of, like the hotels and the travel and this and that, but it's also helping your credit, your credit score so that when you go to apply for a house or, or, you know, a mortgage or um, go to buy a car, for example, like it'll help you in many other regards. Like it's all just building upon each other. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it is a double-edged sword. You know, if you're one of those people that you're, you're at a point in life where you're going to buy your first house and you're applying for a mortgage, you, I've, I've applied for a, a lot of mortgages in my life and I, I work for the same guy every time. So it's a relatively easy process for me, but he'll look at me each time and go, will you please stop doing this for six months? Because each time you do this, I have to then explain to the people that are financing the loan, what it is that you're doing. I know that you're a good risk. I'm not worried about you, but it doesn't look good on paper. So. You know, if you're, if you're, even if you're paying it off, though, that's crazy to me. Even the well, fact that you're paying it off. It's in fairness, I was doing it at a level that that other people probably should not. Mm. But if you are, I, uh, I have another friend from Disney Springs, and she and her husband are getting ready to buy a house. Well, they want to get into the game, but their their smartest play right now is to make sure that they get through the the home purchase and get themselves settled, and then they can start. There's really no reason to take that risk if it's going to cost you this much larger opportunity down the road. So you, you have to be aware of your own personal circumstances, your own tolerance for risk, your own organizational behavior. You know, you sock drawer one of those cards, you forget that you have it. You've got it on electronic statements. So it comes to your email and you change email accounts halfway through the year and you don't get the bill. And then you realize that <clears throat> I owe the annual fee. I owe late fees. It's hurting my credit score because I'm now delinquent on one of my accounts. And all of that benefit goes by the wayside. So for for me, you just, you start slow and you, you work your way into it. Um, I laugh because my, my son and I have taken a, a trip together every year since he was in the, the first grade. We take a week and we just go do something fun. And for the first couple of years that we did this, um, I, I had to keep telling them, we're doing things that, that we can't afford to do. This isn't really who we are. So just consider this your, your trip of a lifetime. And then mm -hmm. the next year we do something the same or better. And then we do something the same or better. And I honestly, in my heart, believe that there wasn't any way that we were going to be able to replicate what we just did, either in this way or in another way because the deals were going to dry up or we're going to get to the end of the process. And I'm, I'm 15, 16, 17 years into this and I'm still finding ways to, to score big wins. And, um, you know, it, there's no guarantee that tomorrow is going to look anything like yesterday. And that's the beginning of our conversation, right? That the world can change a whole lot in a short period of time, but for the time being, there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of companies that want your business. They want you to use their financial device in your day to day life, and they're competing with each other for that business, and they're willing to offer you incentives to do it. So, figure out what you want out of the game, 
start there. Once you've gotten that first bonus, think about whether you want to sock drawer that card and start again with a different card. And if you don't, well, you, you still won once. But for a lot of people, winning a second time, winning a third time, I mean, opening three or four cards in one year, if your minimum spend has to be done in three months, theoretically, you could open four cards in one year and be working on a minimum spend for almost the entire year. And at that point, at the end of the year, you've secured, you've secured airline miles, hotel miles, and convertible miles. And in one year, you found a way to fly somewhere, stay for a while, and have some fun while you're there, all for just living your life and investing 10 hours of effort along the way. It's, it's a brilliant system, and I would call it a hack that you've <laughs> figured out really truly. Um, there's, there's a lot to learn and I think, um, the resources that you provided to me, I will make sure to link in the show notes so that everyone can get that beginner's guide that kind of dives into, um, just like the basics and then do each of those websites. I think you were saying they, do they show what is on like coming down the pipeline that you can apply for uh, a new card? Is that how you're finding yeah, out about new so deals? The, the, um, the, the. The couple of links that I sent you are great beginner's guides. And, and honestly, they're both sites that I visit every single day. Um, because yeah. there is, to answer your question, A, there's a beginner's guide there. B, there's a list every day as to what the, in their, by their definition, are the best available sign-up bonuses. Um, but then they also put out random deals that just come along on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, there was something last week where uh, that uh, Hilton card that I happen to have said, well, you know, it's been a rough year for everybody. So we're just gonna say for the next 11 months, the first $20 of dining that you spend on our card, we're gonna give you that money back. Well, because I read that website and I saw that information, I realized, well, I just made $240 for doing nothing. I was gonna buy $20 worth of restaurant food and every month for the next 11 months and now they're going to pay for it and all i have to do is awesome. use the right card so whether you're a beginner an intermediate or an expert there's value in visiting those sites on a, a frequent basis because you never know what's what tomorrow's deal is going to look like well that's just it i'm sure that hilton isn't necessarily um that card for example is not necessarily going to like shoot you well maybe they will but it's not going to be very publicly known like you kind of have to look for that right they they're not they're not sending it? out something to everyone saying hey guys if you do this then we will do that um they they will put out some information about it but there are just there are just it, the world is too big and there are too many companies that are trying to do too many things for you to keep track of it. So this was a nice, yeah. uh, a nice place to aggregate all the information. And you know, they yeah. do the work of pulling together the best available deals and you scroll through 90% of them and they don't, they don't pertain to you or they're not worth the effort. Um, but then you'll hit on a, a hidden gem periodically that, that, that kind of changes your life. Let's talk about other ways that we can make money while we sleep. <laughs> you posted a funny article the other day about the GameStop situation. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, what's interesting about that one is, is my son was the one who told me about that. And he was, he was several yeah. days ahead of it. And if he had done what he was thinking about doing, he would have been one of those people that, that did pretty well on it. Um, but, you know, grouchy old dad's like, ah, oh, it sounds like gambling to me. And I don't, you don't know anything about it. So you're you're effectively just hoping and, and that's that's gambling. Um, so we went through that whole GameStop process together and I said, so what would you have done if you decided to do it? How would you have done it? When would you have bought it? When would you sell? Um, and he figured it out in a way that allowed him to recover his initial investment. But, you know, he said, I'm going to, my target for selling is going to be I think he said $525 and I think the stock got up to about 505 and then it fell and I'm like right there there's the there's the risk so you see the big wins just be be cognizant of the fact that you can also lose and you know a game like credit card hacking you really can't lose as long as you just do the basics this isn't gambling versus some of these other things and it's you know it's it's 
um, now that my ability to do the as many credit cards as I would like is is diminished, um, bank accounts are the same kind of thing. Where you know, if you open a bank account, you have your paycheck direct deposited into your account for two cycles. We'll hand you five hundred dollars. Well, okay, okay, yeah. I don't know what your <laughs> paycheck looks like, but five hundred dollars is not insignificant to me. So if I have the yeah. ability by going into my my company portal and changing the routing and account information, after two cycles I get that money plus I get an extra five hundred dollars. That's another that's another thing. And if anybody is interested in in that kind of stuff, that's another one of those tabs on on one of those websites that um, they they link to bank account bonuses that um, they doesn't hurt your credit score you're not doing anything illegal um you will be taxed on the amount of money that they give you mm-hmm. um but there's nothing wrong or unethical about opening up a new bank account um because they're willing to offer you an incentive to do so yeah so that seems like a safer bet than the GameStop situation that whole thing was craziness oh heavens yes i mean oh, and if you're if you're uh you know, if you if you buy at a certain point and you ride it to the point where you can recover your initial investment, maybe you sell half of what you bought to cover what you originally paid. Now you're playing on house money, and you can be you can gamble a little bit more when you're you're playing with somebody else's cash. But it's it can be a dangerous game. And the unfortunate thing about all those stock things is, for every dollar someone makes, in general, someone loses. Hmm. So there's a there's two sides to every financial transaction, and it doesn't always work out for the little guy. I was going to say you want to make sure you're on the right side of that that situation, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so to um, not to not to transition into something more silly, but and not to call this silly, but I do want to talk about your drinking, and uh, I think it started with your 25 days. <laughs> this, Cal- this whole thing has been an intervention. That's <laughs> awkward. No, not in not in the least. I want you to keep doing it because it's fantastic. <laughs> so you've gotten into TikTok, <laughs> and uh, share with our listeners what it is you're doing. It started, I think, around Christmas time. That was when I saw it. There are very few 53 year olds that um, should not feel awkward on TikTok. Um, so <laughs> my coworkers at Disney, um, after it became public that that my role at Disney Springs was eliminated. Um, they they campaigned pretty hard to get me to try to open up a TikTok account and see what I could do with it. And um, yeah, we went back and forth and we had fun with it a little bit. Um, and what what I say we because it truly wasn't just my decision. I was um, uh, coerced into <laughs> into doing it. A little bit of uh, peer pressure. <laughs> there was definitely some peer pressure applied there. Um, they decided that that I should do a, a bartending TikTok and mm-hmm. just show people how to make um, various drinks. And this this came to pass because my my mom heard that I got laid off. She didn't want to listen to me complain for the next month leading up to Christmas. So she built me, made me an advent calendar. And in that advent calendar, instead of every day there being something else every day in my advent calendar was a different bottle of alcohol little nip size amazing bottle of alcohol and she said all right every day i want you to make a drink and i want you to make it using this material and you have to whatever you pull out today is what you have to make the drink from so for the 24 days leading up to christmas i was required to come up with a different cocktail every day um, to satisfy my mother and my work friend said, you're also going to make this into a TikTok. And, uh, and that's and it how it started. <laughs> it's crazy. And it, I mean, it is honestly, it has been great fun. Um, my son's friends up at the University of Florida have kind of glommed onto it. And uh, I think it frustrates him a little bit that his really old dad is, is cool on TikTok. But uh, um, it hasn't blown up yet. I don't think that uh, anyone's going to re- accuse me of going viral anytime soon. But but it has been great fun to, to figure out new and exciting and different ways to drink away the afternoon. I mean, listen, you never know. I have 600 downloads on this uh, podcast. So, you know, <laughs> we're going to put it on blast. You might get big. You might get really big. You better just watch out. 
at Bolivia Nope on TikTok. The content is absolutely epic. You will enjoy every moment of it. It, it really has been fun to watch. I do have a TikTok account. I have not quite gotten into it yet. I don't think I'm following the right people. Um, one of my girlfriends has been sending me as she comes across them people that she thinks I would enjoy and it's a lot of cooking like cooking content and um and I mean I'm all about the drinking I was a bartender as I shared with you you were not a bartender though you said you just like I was not a bar I, I may or may not consider myself a semi-professional drinker but I have never been a bartender now Listen, but the, the recipes that you're creating and the techniques and tricks that you're, you made a, a hollowed out ice sphere the other day and smoked it and then put an old fashioned in it. I'm like, Kurt, are you kidding me? Are you serious? They don't, you know, it's my, my parents recently got the, the, the vaccinations. Um, so I had them over for the Super Bowl. And uh, I said, come on, we're gonna try a new drink. And we did the same thing where we made, we put the base of a drink inside the glass and then we froze and hollowed out that same ice ball, filled the ice ball with the rest of the drink, lit the bottom layer on fire, and we were gonna use the ice ball to drop into the drink, put out the fire, and mix everything together. So it's gonna be really cool. <laughs> except awesome. that I froze the ice balls a little bit too thick. So when I dropped it in, all it did was splash flaming alcohol all over the table. Oh, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. That's uh, it's, it's par for my the course. Dad, my dad pointed out, he wanted to know how many followers on TikTok I needed to, to be able to rebuild my house after I burned it down, so. I know, seriously, you better be careful with the fire. Just have the fire extinguisher next to you, just, just in case. <laughs> Uh, live and learn. We didn't on that particular occasion, but we will next time. Oh my God. I mean, it really is fun. Are you going to continue? You don't have the advent calendar obviously now, but each like holiday or how are you doing it now? I, you know what? I am not willing to commit to anything at this point. We were doing uh, a, a weekly series called Mailbag Monday where I would, um, in theory, I was reading letters from, from people that had requested specific drinks and practice those letters may or may not have been completely fabricated in my mind, but um, but it made for good television. It did. And, uh, <laughs> it made for good conversation, and it's fun talking to those people afterwards going, what? I said, what? I never said that. Um, but it it there, there got to be a couple of days as we got closer to the holiday where I said, ah, I just don't want to do this again today, but I felt like I had to, so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being newly retired and having time on your hands is a fantastic gift. And the cool thing is, is I can make Mailbag Monday a Monday or Thursday a Sunday. It doesn't matter. Every day is a Monday for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I can go on my own schedule. So more to follow on what will come out of uh, TikTok bartending. Listen, man, I love what you're doing, though. I mean, at least you're using your time in a productive, fun way. You're putting a lot of fun <laughs> out into the world. More than anything, they're they're engaging videos. Fun, maybe not productive. Oh, fun. I would I would say otherwise. I think that they're very engaging, and I am learning something. I mean, every once in a while, it's a good reminder to put the time and effort into a beautiful drink. And uh, you know, it's nice. You can't necessarily, or you can here in Florida, of course. Um, you can go out to a nice bar and get a cocktail made, or you can learn to make one at home. Come to Florida. <laughs> yeah, we're open for business. <laughs> all day and all night. Oh, man. Well, this was fun. I really appreciate all of the insight. I'm going to make sure to link all of the things that we spoke about in the show notes so people can, um, you know, read through and, and learn a little bit more. Uh, one last note on that. I do have a question. If people did have questions, like, who do you talk to to get real, like, individual advice? I mean... Is there a, there's not like a bank advisor or anything like that you can talk to about this? No, I honestly, I think that the premise of the game is such that any self-respecting banker would say, I don't know that this is what we want you to do. <laughs> it's certainly within your rights to do it. But no, we did not build the system so that you could go from bank to bank to bank. Um, so I think that the smartest thing that you can do is do a little reading on your own. Um, take a look at those links and, and you know, spend five or 10 minutes reading the articles that are written for the beginners. Um, the other thing is that if you have listeners that are, are interested, I do have some newfound time on my hands and uh, I'd be happy to link my own, my email address in, in what you're sending. So if people have questions or they want uh, a piece of advice, I'm happy to, happy to share. It's 
a lot more rewarding when you realize that some of these things aren't just how can I how can I maximize the benefit for myself, but how can I also help people learn from my mistakes or benefit from the things that, that I may have done the right way. Well, when I said that you have a wealth of knowledge, you're you're very generous with your time and with that knowledge. So I thank you. And I will make sure to also include your email address if people did want to reach out and, and uh, not only get a little bit more information, but gain a new friend. Um, I think that you have a lot to offer. And even if it was just, you know, the TikTok videos, if that's where you're starting, like it at least gets people you know, familiar and, and they get to know you and the sky's the limit. You you said it yourself, you have a lot of time. So we'll see where the next year takes you. You can you can never have enough friends and it's always a good idea to be nice to people on the way up because you never know who you're going to see on the way back down. So uh, yeah, that right. I mean, really, truly, you made me feel very welcome and part of the family. So I thank you for that. And I'm glad that we have you made that part very, very easy. You were very, you were easy to welcome. Well, I appreciate it, Kurt. This was wonderful. Um, I'm excited to, to, to take the dive on into the credit card game myself. I think that we're going to have a lot of fun doing this. So I thank you and we'll talk soon. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate your having me on the show. I appreciate you too. All right, Kurt, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. The Catch-Up Time podcast is an original podcast produced and recorded in Orlando, Florida. Remember to subscribe to the Catch-Up Time podcast to get notified each week when new episodes are posted. You can also follow us on Instagram at catchup underscore time. Thanks again for listening to the Catch-Up Time podcast.